Good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms on this first Sunday in Advent. My name is Jan Gilbert, and I serve as a shepherding deacon in our congregation. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us bow our heads as we prepare for worship. O ancient of days, as we turn the calendar to this first Sunday of the Advent season, turn over a new page in our hearts. Let us hear your words, your promises of old made fresh for a new day. By the work of your Holy Spirit within us, may this be a season of remembering your presence in the incarnation, a season of recommitment to following Jesus, and a season in which we reclaim our hope in Christ's triumphant return. You, O oh Lord, are the faithful one, and you do not forget your holy promises to your people. Amen. Now as we worship together, May our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
Today, the first Sunday of Advent, begins the ritual of lighting the candles that symbolize the light of God coming to the earth. The circle of greens represents God's eternity. The candle we light today represents hope. It is the joyful expectation of God with us. Listen now to the scripture reading from Isaiah, chapter 9, verses 2, 6, and 7, that prepares us for Jesus' arrival. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. We light this candle today in preparation for the coming of Christ.
For many, it has started already. Thanksgiving, Advent, preparation for Christmas, the temptation to be caught up in the pressures and the stresses of this season. The question is, will we be tempted to spend our funds, our energy, our spirits without appropriating the rest and the peace that is promised in our Lord's coming? Let's turn our hearts again toward him this morning, taking a moment to slow down and to focus on what is really important as we look at ourselves and confess our sins. Lord of our ancestors, Lord of today, in the house of our hearts, your statutes grow dusty and even forgotten. We search about for various ways to structure our life, but we neglect the scaffolding you provide in your word. Forgive our forgetfulness. Forgive our sin for doing what seems acceptable at the time. Blow the dust from our spirits. Clear our eyes and point us once again toward you. These things we pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Even in the midst of this frantic time, God is very much with us. He brings peace to us if we wish. So the challenge is let us receive God's blessing of peace, of hope, and know that he will give us an awareness of what he is preparing for us this season that is far more valuable than any earthly presence or activities. He has poured peace in our lives. He forgives us. So good friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Now let us declare together that historic and wonderful creed that binds Christians around the world, the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's take a moment to circulate and to greet one another in the spirit of Jesus.
Good morning. morning. Welcome to worship here at Church of the Palms on this, as we've already heard, the first Sunday of Advent, the beginning of our journey to Bethlehem. We need to begin by uh, seeking your prayers for all Ohio State fans, (laughs) that they be given the spirit of humility. (laughs) But then again, there's some things God just can't do. So um, anyway, next year. We are grateful that you're with us. We'd love to have you fill out the friendship pads as we make our way uh, to our time of fellowship after the service. This is a good way to begin thinking about how you're going to engage that person in conversation who might be sitting next to you that you don't yet know, but whose name you've just learned about on the friendship pad. And we would love for you to uh, carry out your fellowship throughout the course of the morning. We have... uh, Many opportunities for you to uh, be a part of this Advent journey as we've been discussing. On the way out the door, you'll see them in print. We have our new Connect magazine, the December issue of Connect. We'll be handing to you as you make your way out the door. So we hope that you'll take that home and study it and find out all the many ways that you can be a part of our life. We have an Advent teaching series that begins this Wednesday night, 6.30 over in the chapel. And uh, Pastor Bruce and Pastor Steve and Dr. Morgan Roberts will be leading a series on Advent through the arts and taking a look at the means by which we have seen Advent and the celebration of Christmas through these different prisms. And we would love to have you come and join us as we take a look at those opportunities. You can sign up for Christmas flowers. Uh, We will be uh, adorning our sanctuary, of course, on Christmas Eve with uh, poinsettias, and we would love to have you sign up if you would like to give flowers in honor or in memory of a special loved one in your life. We would love for you to do that, and there's uh, information about that. Also, an an envelope in um, in your pew rack for you to use. Our Christmas pageant, our family ministry Christmas pageant, is going to be on December the 12th. That's Saturday, December the 12th at 4 o'clock here. And we would love for you to come and join us uh, for that great celebration to see our children use their wonderful gifts. And uh, it's always a great celebration for us as as we come together as the larger family of God. Next Saturday is our Messiah concert here in the sanctuary at 4 p.m. The Sarasota Choral Society will literally fill this whole chancel with beautiful voices, and the sanctuary will be filled with people. You may want to make sure you get here a little early. Tickets are available over in the church office. We would love to have you here next Saturday at 4 p.m. Speaking of the Messiah, Genevieve and uh, our Minister of Music is off with members of the Choral Society as well as some of our own Church of the Palms members in New York City uh, singing the Messiah this afternoon in Carnegie Hall. So that's a big deal. So we're very delighted that they're having that opportunity to do that. They'll be back here tomorrow, but uh, pray for their safe travel back. And we look forward to seeing her this coming Saturday. Speaking of uh, some of our staff members, we uh, just this past week and a half ago, uh, Carolyn Wilson and Lori Haas, members of our staff, were received as inquirers for ordination uh, by the Peace River Presbytery. So that's a big step for them, and we're delighted to take that journey with them through the foundation and through our church staff. So if you see Lori and Uh, Well, you'll see Lori in a minute, but you'll see Carolyn, who's in our next service. Please uh, let them know how proud we are of them for taking that big step. We also uh, received word today or this week, many of you got this by via the mail, that our dear friend and colleague and pastor, Bruce Hedgepeth, is uh, in the process of receiving and accepting a call to a new ministry. 
a new church over on the east coast of Florida. And uh, that fills us with great sadness, though we know that God is working in his life and Cindy's life and moving into a, a new opportunity of ministry that they're very excited about. We'll have a chance to celebrate their ministry over the course of the next several weeks. They don't leave until the middle of January. But uh, when you see Bruce, who actually will appear at some point in time, you better because he's going to preach uh, later on. <laughs> but uh, Bruce is doing a baptism over in the garden, and uh, Bruce has been a significant uh, player in the garden as well as in our mission, our ministry to Honduras and other places. So uh, keep them in your prayers, and we will, as I said, have a chance to celebrate their ministry in the, uh, in the coming weeks. We also want to make you aware that Ken Knobloch, a member of our church, passed away this past Friday, and there are no arrangements yet made for uh, Ken's uh, celebration of life, but uh, keep Marge and her, and her family in your prayers. Bob Barson, who is the lead of our generosity team, is here to share with us a little, some words about the end of the year. Thank you, Steve. Good morning. I recently became more aware of a great ministry we have here at Church of the Palms. That's the student ministry led by Jeff McCauley. When our 14-year-old grandson from Oslo, Norway, convinced his parents to let him study this year at high school here in Sarasota. When we found out about this and agreed to it, of course, we immediately went to Jeff and wanted to get our grandson plugged into the youth ministry here, which he did. Jacob just loves the youth ministry. He has many friends in there. He mentions Rowan and Martin and Walter and many others. Interestingly, he doesn't mention Jeff or the other adult uh, leaders very much, and that's because Jeff has really instilled a spirit of hospitality and Christian love in the students. So Jacob is having a wonderful time. This ministry is a ministry that grew beyond our expectations and has required some additional financial support as well as uh, some of the deferred maintenance items that we've had around the church have also needed, could not be deferred anymore, such as repairing the roof in this very sanctuary. So we have a few challenges with our, our budget this year. In addition to that, Pastor Steve and I have mentioned through the year that we've been a little bit behind on our giving, and so we're going to have an end-of-the-year campaign kickoff to try to close that gap and finish the year in the black. You'll be hearing more about that in the coming week. But what I would ask you to do now is to think about how you can complete your financial pledge for this year, uh, and if you've been financially uh, blessed or blessed in other ways that you feel that you want to respond with an extra measure, that also will help very much uh, to close that gap. I'm sure that we can do this, and that your echoes of generosity throughout the year have made this such a great church. Thank you very much. Come on. 
Let us pray. Our most gracious and loving God, we begin our Advent journey toward Christmas with thankful hearts. We thank you that despite the turmoil and pain of the world, your message of love and salvation still gives us hope. We pray for your people who struggle for justice and peace. We pray for parents who safeguard their children. We pray for those who flee from terror and death and those who are affected by ongoing violence. We lift up those, O oh God, who need your healing and comforting grace. We pray this day especially for March Nordblok and her family as Ken had come home to you. We remember and ask your protection for missionaries and servicemen and women who serve in dangerous places. Be with us in this season of Advent. We pray for we ask it in the name of the one who was born as our hope, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now let us take this moment to worship God through the giving of our tithings and offerings.
Let us pray. O oh God, you love us so much that you have given us your only begotten Son. Your generosity is way beyond our comprehension, and we live and have our life and move and have our being in that love of yours every day. In this moment in worship, as you receive our token of love in these offerings, we ask that you'll teach us to be ever more grateful and generous and teach us to give you back as you have been generous to us. We pray this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated as the children and Lori come forward for children's moment. Thanks, Mimi. Great job with the Advent candles this morning. You guys are the bomb. That is so great. Welcome. How's everybody doing? You heard that today is the first Sunday in Advent, a season of waiting and preparing. Who likes to wait? No, waiting stinks. We hate to wait. But I have this idea that might help us enjoy our waiting just a little bit more. And it came to me from this Advent excuse me, this Advent devotional, the ones where you guys drew the pictures in it and our teens and our adults wrote the devotions. Well, at the very first of it, Pastor Steve wrote a message to us and he said, you know, during the season of Advent, many people, oh, sorry, Gavin, many people ask us what we want for Christmas. I wonder if anyone thought to ask God what he might want for Christmas. And then it came to me in the form of a riddle. Here's the riddle. Are you ready? What are the only chains that set us free. You know, chains are like what lock up the prisoners. What are the only chains that set us free? It's a good riddle, isn't it? Chains of love. Hmm, okay, here's my idea. What if every single day, starting today, every day of Advent, there's 26 of them leading up to Christmas, what if we did one act of love per day, all of us. One random act of kindness per day leading up to Christmas. I'm gonna give you an example. Is there someone here that I haven't met before? We haven't shook hands and officially met? Oh, you chickens, someone. <laughs> There's gotta be someone that I don't know. I see a lot of nice, friendly face. <gasps> nice, what is your name? Carol, I'm Lori. It is so nice to meet you. I am so glad that you're here today. I would like to give you a $5 Starbucks gift card just to enjoy a little treat, maybe on a Monday. I don't know. Thanks for being here. Okay, that's just one idea. It doesn't have to involve money, though. Never really has to be money. Jonathan, Jonathan, I so appreciate your musical gifts. No Starbucks card for you. This is starting as a sincere compliment to someone, and then look what happens. Seriously, you usher us into the presence of God every Sunday. Thank you so much. What are some ideas of things that you could do? Random acts of kindness to spread a little love. Opening the door for someone? Do you guys have Davis? Giving them a present. Giving them a present, especially one that you make. What else? Sydney, what else could you do? Mm, help them. 
You could help them. You did something I heard the other day. Didn't you put candy canes on the windshields of some cars? Yes, what else could you do? There's so many great ideas. Smiling at someone is a random act of kindness for some of us. At a drive-through, pray for the person behind you. What a great idea. You could pay for them. And if you don't have money, maybe you could do something without being asked. Holding a door, giving someone a hug. There are oodles and oodles of ideas. So here's the idea. Every day, as a family, all of us, encourage each other as you walk out the door. Remember to do your act of love today. And then that evening, whether it's around dinner time or bedtime, pull out your Advent devotional, have someone read the scripture passage, read the devotion, look at the picture, talk about it, and then share your random act of kindness, your act of love, and make a little chain and attach it. Can you imagine how big this chain will be if everyone in our family, if everyone in this congregation is doing that. So when we get to Christmas Day, we will have spread love all around this community, and we will have prepared our hearts for Christmas, for the greatest gift of love that was ever given. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, thank you. Thank you for loving us first. Help us to respond with more love to each other every single day. Amen.
Our scripture reading for this morning is from 2 Kings, chapter 22, beginning in verses 1 to 3, and then skipping down to 8 to 13, and then chapter 23, the first three verses. Before we read God's word, let us pray together. Gracious God, we believe your word is a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. So as we open the scriptures this morning by the presence and power of your Holy Spirit in this place, shine forth your truth from the pages of the Bible so that we might not only hear but understand and be changed by what you would teach us this day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 2 Kings 22, beginning in the first verse. Listen for the word of God. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. He reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jedidah, daughter of Adiah of Boscath. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in all the way of his father David. He did not turn aside to the right or to the left. In the 18th year of King Josiah, the king sent Shaphan, son of Azaliah, son of Meshulam, the secretary, to the house of the Lord. Skipping down to verse 8. The high priest Hilkiah said to Shaphan, the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. When Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, he read it. Then Shaphan, the secretary, came to the king and reported to the king, your servants have emptied out the money that was found in the house and have delivered it into the hands of the workers who have oversight of the house of the Lord. Shaphan the secretary informed the king, the priest Hilkiah has given me a book. Shaphan then read it aloud to the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. Then the king commanded the priest Hilkiah Ahikam, son of Shaphan, Akbor, son of Micaiah, Shaphan, the secretary, and the king's servant, Isaiah, saying, Go, inquire of the Lord for me, for the people, and for all Judah concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us, because our ancestors did not obey the words of this book, to do according to all that is written concerning us. And in chapter 23, beginning at the first verse, Then the king directed that all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem should be gathered to him. The king went up to the house of the Lord, and with him went all the people of Judah, all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests, the prophets, and all the people, both small and great. He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the house of the Lord. The king stood by the pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to follow the Lord, keeping his commandments, his decrees, and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. All the people joined in the covenant. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. So I begin this morning with mixed Emotions, as you might imagine, the second to last time I'll have the opportunity to preach here in the sanctuary. It has been a joy to serve God alongside you here at Church of the Palms. 
And we are excited, Cindy and me, about this new chapter that God is unfolding before us in Jacksonville. And at the same time, we are sad that over the next few weeks, we'll be having to say some goodbyes to people here who are very dear to us. And so I thank you for pouring yourself into relationship, pouring yourself into the Lord's work here at Church of the Palms. So when I think back on my childhood, I was kind of a strange kid. <laughs> I, I mean, at the time it seemed normal to me, but, but looking back, I think my interest in sports was maybe a little bit, you know, kind of off the charts. I read everything I could get my hand on, my hands on, you know, right before the season, whatever the season was that was coming up, whether it was baseball or football or basketball, I would read it and then reread it and then study it some more. I just couldn't get enough words about the sports season that was coming up. And it wasn't just about my, my favorite teams. It was about every team in the league, almost every player in the league. I wanted words about them. I wanted to know the statistics about them. And as strange as it seems in 2015 with our smartphones and access to so much information back in those days, if you wanted access to all those words about all the players and all the sports, you had to buy books, not e-books, not an online subscription, but books with pages and covers and stuff like that. And you had to, and, and so I would get books like you know, the, um, the baseball prospectus and the insider's guide to the NFL and the um, sporting news NBA preview. Those were the kind of books that I would just devour every word in every book, reading and studying. And, you know, in my hometown newspaper, the Chicago Tribune that came to our house I could find out that kind of stuff about the Chicago Cubs or the White Sox or the Bears or the Bulls, but the, the local newspaper didn't give you the full sweep of, of the whole league. Or I could read Sports Illustrated, and they gave you a few words about every team in the league, but I wanted, I wanted all the words. I wanted all the stats, and so I had to get my hands on those books to read and study and learn. And it was at that time that even though I was growing up in the northwest suburbs of Chicago that, that I became captivated by the Miami Dolphins. Those were the years where they were building a great team in South Florida. Don Shula was the coach. I was just fascinated with their backfield. Larry Zonka, Mercury Morris, and Jim Kick with the no-name defense, but I can give you some names. Nick Bonacani and Bill Stanfield and Jake Scott. Don Shula was doing something special with the Dolphins, building to that undefeated 17-0 season in 1972. I ate up every word I could 
about my team, the Dolphins. Like I said, looking back now, it's a little bit strange, a little bit unusual to have been so committed to learning those words about the sports I was so interested in. But in our story from Scripture today, we encounter someone who had an even more unusual childhood. While I was reading about sports, Josiah was running a country. Now that's an unusual childhood. The scripture tells us that he was eight years old when he became the king of Judah and ascended the throne in Jerusalem. Now what you may not know about Josiah is that he followed in the footsteps of a whole series of really bad kings that preceded him. In fact, if you go back and you look at the chapters that lead up to the 22nd chapter of 2 Kings, what you'll find are words a lot like this. King so-and-so did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. A lot of times that would be um, encouraging or allowing the people of Judah or Israel to worship other gods besides the one true God. Or the kings would be uncaring about the poor and the needy in their midst. Or they would ignore the words of the prophets that God sent to speak to their people. But Josiah was different. We heard it in the second verse that we read this morning. 2 Kings 22, verse 2, Josiah did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in all the way of his father David. He did not turn aside to the right or to the left. So let's take a little bit of a closer look at this Josiah, who Scripture tells us was the best king since David. According to our text this morning, it seems that the, the real defining moment for Josiah came in the 18th year of his reign. He began to reign in 639 B.C. when he was 8 years old. The 18th year was 621 B.C. He was about 26 years old. And Josiah was initiating a project to restore, repair the temple in Jerusalem. And so he sent his secretary, Shaphan, to the temple so that Shaphan could arrange with the high priest, Hilkiah, to make sure the workers in the temple uh, got paid for the construction work that was to go on there. And when Shaphan got there, he learned from Hilkiah that in the preparations for the repairs to the temple, there uh, a scroll had been discovered and the high priest gave it to the king's secretary. Now it takes a little bit of reading between the lines but that's a very interesting thing. I mean if you think about it what would have happened last week when we were doing the decorations here for Advent if uh, someone had found let's say a Bible in the sanctuary wouldn't that have been strange? And they had reported to Pastor Steve, there's been a Bible found in the sanctuary. Do you think that would show up in the notes of our session minutes? 
A Bible was discovered in the sanctuary at Church of the Palms. No, that would have been a normal thing, but it wasn't a normal thing. A scroll, the book of the law, was discovered in the temple. And it was a big deal. Hilkiah, the high priest, had never seen the book of the law that God gave to Moses. And so he reported it to Shaphan, the king's secretary. And Shaphan took the scroll. Biblical scholars believe that that scroll may very well have been our Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. So Shaphan took the Deuteronomy scroll and he read it. And he must have thought that what he read there was pretty important because when the secretary went to the king to report on the arrangements that he had made for the workers to get paid for the temple restoration, he also told him about the book that the high priest had given to him. Let's pick up the story again because this is a really key part in the 10th verse of 2 Kings 22. Shaphan, the secretary, informed the king, the priest Hilkiah has given me a book. Shaphan then read it aloud to the king. And let's look again, let's look closely at how Josiah responds to the words that his secretary reads him from the Deuteronomy scroll. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. Then the king commanded the priest Hilkiah, Ahikam, son of Shaphan, Akbor, son of Micaiah, Shaphan the secretary and the king's servant, Isaiah, saying, Go, inquire of the Lord for me, for the people and for all Judah concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us because our ancestors did not obey the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. So, so what was it that Shaphan read that was so upsetting to the king when he heard it? Well, we don't know for sure, but if biblical scholars are right and it was a scroll of the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, it might have been a passage like the one we find in Deuteronomy 6, beginning at verse 13. The Lord your God shall you fear. Him you shall serve. And by his name alone shall you swear. Do not allow other gods, any of the gods of the peoples who are all around you. Because the Lord your God who is present with you is a jealous God. The anger of the Lord your God would be kindled against you. And he would destroy you from the face of the earth. After hearing words, perhaps words like that, Josiah, as a sign of his distress, even mourning, tore his clothes. So impacted was he by the words that Shaphan read to him from the book of the law. They cut to the quick of his heart. And this is the point in the story, I think, that Josiah has perhaps his finest moment. Not only was he penitent about his own wandering from the word of God, not only did he make demonstrations of his upset and signs of mourning, 
but he took action. As we heard in the beginning of 2 Kings 23, he convened a meeting of all the people at the temple in Jerusalem. He called together the priests and the prophets and everyone from the land of Judah. And there in front of the temple, he read to them from the book of the law. He wanted all the people to hear the words of the Lord. And Josiah made a promise before all of his people that their king was going to commit himself to live in a new way that was pleasing to God. And Scripture tells us that all the people made the same promise. So, what are we to do with this Scripture reading on this first Sunday of Advent? I'd like to respond to that question with a story, a a continuation of my childhood story. Because, you see, I wasn't only interested in words about sports. I had the privilege of being raised by two Christian parents. And my younger sister and I, we were in Sunday school and church every Sunday. And so growing up, I learned the words and the stories of the Bible. They became just a part of who I am. And then when I was eight, when I was about the same age that Josiah was when he became king of Judah, I made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. But then like the Israelites, as the years passed, I began to wander from my faith. I began to go in pursuit of other gods. By the time I was in high school, I was sacrificing at the temple of teen popularity. I was very concerned about athletic and academic achievement. I wanted more than anything to be successful in the eyes of other young people when I was in high school and on into my freshman year in college. And then in that summer after my freshman year, my world was rocked when my high school girlfriend dumped me. (laughs) As silly as it sounds today that that event had such a big impact on me, I thank God it did. Because that breakup drove me to the Bible in that summer between my first and second year in college because I remembered from my childhood that when we have questions about meaning and purpose in life, that God's Word is the place we go to find answers. And so that's what I did. I read the Bible for the first time looking for answers to questions I was asking. And I found myself especially drawn to the Gospel of Luke, and most particularly the 15th chapter where Jesus tells three consecutive stories about things that were lost being found. A sheep, 
coin and a son. Now, I had read those stories many times. I had heard them in Sunday school. I could tell you the stories almost word for word. But that summer, something was different. Those stories became personal. They were about me. I was the sheep who was lost, who the good shepherd left the other 99 to come and find me. I was the coin that was found and the woman threw the great party to celebrate its finding. I was the prodigal son who had wandered far from home whose gracious father came running to embrace and welcome him home. These were no longer children's stories. These were stories about me. And I believe that's what happened to Josiah. When Shaphan read to him from the book of the law, I believe that still today that can happen for you and that can happen for me when we spend time in God's word. And so I would like to issue a challenge. Echoing off of the challenge that Lori gave to the children, we have this beautiful resource provided by our family ministries team, and our congregational care leaders, an Advent devotional. And the challenge is that beginning today, this first Sunday in Advent, every day, spend time reading God's Word, pouring over the words contained here. Now, I don't know if God's going to change your life if you decide to take up this challenge during Advent. But I do know this. What Scripture says about itself is found in Hebrews chapter 4, beginning in verse 12. Indeed, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing until it divides soul from spirit, joints from marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And before him no creature is hidden, but all are naked and laid bare to the eyes of the one to whom we must render an account. I believe God's word changes lives. Changed King Josiah. Changed me. Who knows? This Advent, maybe it's your turn.
And now as this service ends and when you go from this place, go with God's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace now and forever. Amen.